This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earning can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earnin today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 162 with Robin Rocket. Show notes for this episode can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 162. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean, and I'm here to give you and other passionate, dedicated moms the tools you need to bridge the gap between motherhood and living the life of your dreams. I'm also here to help you be a little more shameless every day, because if you aren't building a life you're extraordinarily proud of, what kind of legacy are you building? So let's dive in. Robin Rocket is a licensed clinical psychologist and a single parent of three children ages 11, 9, and 6. She hosts the podcast Solo Parent Life and each week takes on a variety of issues facing single parents, including dating, finances, stress management, parenting, and co-parenting. And she brings in experts, therapists, and authors for frank and friendly conversations that offer guidance for solo parents to become more mindful in their own self-care. Robin speaks with integrity and from the heart about people, books, blogs, and resources that have helped her as a solo parent. Being raised by a single mom myself, I was very interested in hearing Robin's story. I was excited for our conversation and also just excited to hear her personal experience versus her professional experience as a clinical psychologist. I knew that I would be able to kind of pull from both angles and I was really intrigued by that. I loved what Robin had to say about the power she found in her own divorce, even though it was understandably isolating and scary as she was going through it because that's how transitions tend to be. She shed a lot of light on how to process change and adapt to a new life. She also talked about the importance of acknowledging the losses in divorce 
rather than just trying to push past them and sweep them under the rug, which was kind of my experience growing up in divorce. So I was really interested to hear what she had to say around that as well. And you'll hear we talk a little bit about my experience growing up as a child of divorce and kind of her take on some of those pieces of my puzzle, which I really appreciated that part of the conversation. So listen in to hear Robin share the power and importance of group therapy and solo therapy when going through divorce, the unexpected gifts she experienced in her own divorce, how divorce ultimately led her to a more confident and powerful place in life, and the importance of acknowledging and grieving the death of the family that takes place when a family goes through such a transition. This is a really interesting episode. I know something definitely a lot of people can relate to, whether you are someone who came from a family with divorce when you were a child, or if you are a single parent now or have gone through divorce in the past, I just know that this is something that is really common and pretty pervasive in our culture. And if you have never been impacted on a very personal level by a divorce, I'm sure you know other people who have. So this is just going to give you a little bit of perspective of what people have gone through around you and maybe what they need from you and how you can be supportive of family members and friends as they might be going through some of these transitions. So go ahead and tune in. You might want to take some notes. Definitely reach out to Robin through her resources that she links in the show if you want to connect with her after you hear everything she has to say. So let's go ahead and dive in with Robin Rocket. Robin Rocket, welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here today. Uh, Thank you, Sarah, for having me on today. I'm so excited to be here. This is fun because we've now swapped interviews. So I was interviewed on your show and now you're being interviewed on my show. So I kind of, it's like old friends. (laughs) That's right. I know. And it's weird to be on the other side, but it's really cool. I'm a little nervous. Oh, are you? (laughs) Yeah. I get like super relaxed being on the other side because I feel like I don't have to be in charge of the conversation. So I just like can kick back. I don't know what, like maybe should be nervous about what I'm going to say, but I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Like on this side of the mic, I'm like, I have to make sure we stay on like our timeline. And I don't know. It's funny. Like they're very different roles being on different sides of the mic. So they are. They are. Well, I'm excited to dive in and hear about your podcast. When you reached out to me, I'm excited to hear about your podcast, but I'm also excited to hear about your life as a shameless mom, because when you reached out to me, you said, I'm a single parent. I have this podcast. Here's what I'd love to talk with you about. And I was like, yes, yes. Like all of these things, because I don't think there's any mom that is more shameless than a single mom. (laughs) And I was raised by a single mom and I think that my mom struggled in being shameless at times and she had a unique background, but she was actually had been a nun for 17 years before she got married and had my sister and I, which is super unique. But I think that she had a lot of like, there was a lot of things she didn't feel comfortable doing. And I think that sometimes she felt a little uncomfortable in her role as a single parent. And I think that you've really embraced that and you've built something around it, which I'm so excited to dive into all this. Oh, good. Oh, I'm excited to talk about it. Yes. So let's go ahead and just get started. Go ahead and tell us about the dynamics of your personal and professional life a little bit beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now. Yes. So I'm a psychologist. I have a private practice in Corte Madera, which is in Marin across the Golden Gate Bridge from San Francisco. And I see women in transition going through separation, divorce, or just parents in general. And I see kids and teens too. And I also have my podcast called Solo Parent Life. And I started it about, well, last October because when I was first going through my divorce, which has now been five years next month, when it first started happening, it was really, uh, it was very life-changing and isolating and scary and hard. And my kids were young. They were six, four, and one at the time. So a lot of my, yeah, yeah. That's a lot. 
(laughs) You know, so all my friends, they hadn't gone through divorce yet. You know, we all had young kids, right? And so I had a few friends out of state, maybe from college or high school, but my really close friends, we were in a very different place. And so once I got grounded and kind of got my feet kind of solid again, I decided after I got my private practice going up again, because I had stopped working when I had my second kid. So I was a working mom. And then when I had my second kid, I stopped working as a stay-at-home mom. And then after the divorce, I got back to working. And I thought, I really want to reach moms. You know, it fires me up to help women. And I looked into podcasting and instead of blogging, because I don't have time to really write with three kids, I thought, I love to talk to people and I love to learn about them. And I love to inspire other people by what someone's doing. And I thought a podcast and there wasn't anything around single parenting at the time, except for like maybe around dating or sex. And I thought, I'm going to do this. So it was very scary. (laughs) And I really put myself out there, but I have not regretted a moment of it. So, you know, now it's a big part of my professional life. You know, I interview attorneys, I've interviewed therapists, life coaches, other podcasters like you, Sarah, and other single parents, single moms, single dads, and I'm having a great time. And then what's happening in my personal life around it is it's just been inspiring. Like I've learned a lot from other people on the interviews I've done. It's given me more confidence and my ability about the message I can give to people that it can be inspiring. I really have something to offer. And I feel like it also, I've learned all these tools like you probably do when you interview other people like, oh, I'm going to try that. You know? Totally, <laughs> so, totally. It's so like cool. you almost feel like you're cheating because you're like, I have this yes. podcast for other people, but also it's like super helpful to me. Yes, it's so helpful. Yes. So, yeah. That's so cool. I love that. And I love that you took your own experience and kind of matched it with your professional life. And it's turned into something that you can build to support other people, but it's also part of your own evolution, personally and professionally. And that's so much of what I've been aiming for with my podcast is that Mm -hmm. I was doing things professionally that I loved and that were great, but I also knew that there was like a part of myself that I felt like I wanted to share more of and I wanted to build something around it. I felt like I had some unique experiences and some unique perspectives and I felt like I could offer people something with that. But I also, like I said, there's this also kind of selfish part where I was like, I could learn from a lot of really cool people and connect with a lot of really cool people if I create this thing that creates a platform for people to come together and have conversations around motherhood and womanhood and all these kinds of things. And it's really, I think it's like equal parts for others and for ourselves. Yes. And yet I think that's really cool. Actually, that was a byproduct to me. I mean, I did want to learn about single parent, but I was thinking, well, this will help me get the word out. I knew all these other professionals that were helping people. And I I wanted single parents to, it's like be a fly on the wall. Like maybe they can't afford to get a mediator or an attorney, or they're just going through the divorce and they're overwhelmed. They don't know. And maybe they could hear about this information. But what happened is exactly what you just said. It added to my, just everything, especially the biggest piece has been as a mother, just learning to relax more, be kinder to myself and just um, appreciate sort of those harder moments, which, you know, I knew helping kids and teens and parents in my practice. But even when you're a therapist, it's different when you're the mom, you're home and your kids are melting down or you're tired (laughs) and all that, you know, so I've gained some really good insight and really frankly felt less alone as a single mother at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. I was laughing because my career previous to getting into fitness in 2003, I worked in a psychiatric hospital with kids. And I I can't remember if I shared that on our Oh, wow. And I love that profession. And I felt like in that role, I felt so well equipped and there was like nothing that could happen in 
the really very literally crazy environment of a psychiatric hospital, there was nothing that could happen. Like I always felt like I know what to do in every situation. And there was a lot mm-hmm. of things that happened that were very unpredictable, very unexpected on a daily basis. But I always felt like I knew how to respond in acute situations and I was really good at it. And I felt really comfortable. And it's amazing to me in parenting how frequently it's totally the opposite where I'm like, I like have these professional tools and then my own child is having to melt down over like, you know, broccoli at dinner. And I'm like at a total loss. Yep. <laughs> like, like, how totally... does that work? Like, how do I have a career in this in my past, you know, in my past? And I can't manage my own child who's nowhere near the acuity of like a psychiatric hospital <laughs> child. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I can completely relate. By the way, my first job was at a psychiatric hospital with children way back oh. in college when I was going to vote. So I, that's pretty intense. It is. But it's true. Like when we're moms, we get flooded too with yeah. our own stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. I don't have my professional hat and I'm not going to be, you know, oh honey, you know, like I might with a client or with right. a client parent. But when I'm, yeah, if I'm tired and I'm home and they are, you know, melting down about broccoli or whatever, it's, we can't help to sort of incorporate our own personal stuff into right. it. And that, totally. that has been just trying to be more like compassionate toward myself for that. Cause I know at the beginning of being a mom in those early days, I think I did put a lot of expectations on myself because I was a child psychologist, mm-hmm. you know, that I should be able to always manage a lot of things and understand them. And the reality is, is, you know, I'm human and I bring my own life history to the table, becoming a mom. And I had to work a lot of things out. So talk to us a little bit about working as a child psychologist and going through a divorce, you probably were pretty acutely aware of the impact of divorce on kids and like how you wanted to manage that. And what were some of the things that I'll tell you my personal experience with this, my mom, so my parents divorced when I was four and, or they separated when I was four and divorced very quickly after that. And, uh, my mom always was like, I should have put you girls in counseling. Like she's like, it was all very like quiet. And my parents never argued. It was just this like quiet thing that happened. and was never really addressed and was very peaceful. And they never spoke badly about each other. And I think my mom thought because it was peaceful, she was like, well, we can just like move on. And then mm-hmm. in hindsight, she was like, like, you can't just pretend that didn't happen, but we kind of did. <laughs> so I'm curious, how did you manage that in your situation, given your professional background and knowing the significance of really needing to address that with your kids and your family? Oh, that's a great question. So <laughs> And super personal. I, so you can take it as okay. deep as you want. <laughs> no, it's okay. Well, first of all, I did not have a peaceful divorce. And so it was a much more on the rail of a high conflict divorce, unfortunately. And so I really had to, on a daily basis in those early days, put on more of a professional hat and remind myself you know, this is very hard and unexpected and you can't control how your partner or soon to be ex-partner is going to manage it. And so not everybody's going to be able in that time of crisis and really a trauma, divorce is a trauma, yeah. you know, they're not going to show up with their best selves. And so I always had to challenge myself to sort of be able to do that even when he wasn't always able to. And that meant with the children when they didn't always understand what was going on to be able to really be open and calm, to take good care of myself. And then when I would receive very difficult emails or text to not respond immediately Mm -hmm. and really kind of hold myself accountable about what came out of my mouth and how I behaved. Now that was in those early days, a daily struggle. Like, you know, it was some days were better than others. I by no means was perfect, but I was very aware that 
conflict in front of the kids, transition time, or even a difficult email and how that impacts that parent who's with the kids. So the kids may not see or read the email. My kids are too young to see or read email, but they might see sort of that, oh gosh, mom's upset. Why is she upset? Like the fallout. Yeah. And they're really astute. Like they want to know, are we going to be okay? Is everything going to be okay? And when the parents, you know, are emotionally vulnerable at that time, that can be hard for everybody. So I would say I joined a support group immediately, a divorce support group, and I got into therapy again. So, and those, yeah. And that helped give like space to just blah, you know, just vent and cry and grieve and be angry. And the support group was a little different than individual support group provided like it was run by a therapist and she's written books on divorce, Susan Goodwin. She's amazing. And that was just sort of every other week check-in. So I could go in and vent, but I was still kind of had accountability buddies to, you know, it wasn't just meant to all of us diss our exes. It was also, how are you taking care of yourself? What do you want it? How do you think you might want to handle the situation? How is this affecting you and the kids? Like, and then the individual therapy was just digging deeper into my own patterns and how I could set better boundaries for myself. And we know, how was I feeling and grieving this and how was it coming out? And I think for me at the time, the combination was very helpful. I don't think everybody has to do one or the other or both, but they really helped me because again, like I said, I was pretty isolated. I was the first out of my cohort to get divorced. I mean, that changed every year. You know, there were people more and more. Now, I think half my son's fifth grade class was divorced, but that wasn't that way when he was in kindergarten. So yeah, this episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listener can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is 
around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. I love that you made such a conscientious effort to, I mean, that's like a huge step in self-care. And I feel like it would be, of all people going through divorce, it would be easiest for a psychologist type person to be like, I got this. Like, I know everything that there is to know about these kinds of things. And I love that you didn't do that. Instead, you were like, I know exactly, like, I need to go get support in a one-on-one environment and in a group environment. And those are, I'm sure, huge steps and really healing steps. And I love the idea of being in a one-on-one environment and being able to make it whatever you need it to be on any given day, but then also going into a group environment. And I even think about how this connects with group fitness, where you go in, Mm -hmm. you show up wherever you are that day, you do whatever you can, but you have people who are there to meet you where you're at and in a totally like judgment-free zone. That's exactly what it was. And, and that was so, important. so incredible. Oh my gosh. I can't even, t- uh, there was no way I was, you know, even with all my knowledge of how divorce affects kids and working with parents through divorce and kids, through divorce, I was going through it. So yeah. I was sort of in the muck of my own, you know, emotional experience of it. And I realized pretty quickly that I wasn't going to be able to do this on my own. I was going to need to build a support system. So that was one of the first things I did in those early days is, okay, what's my support system? Where can I go to sort of really be, because, you know, I did talk to family and friends, but you know, they're impacted by this too. Right. Right. And so they love and care about both of us. And so they've got to deal with their own. So they can be available, some better than others, but mm-hmm. not to the degree, you know, a support group or an individual therapist can be. Right. It reminds me of when my son was born and all my girlfriends had children who were a couple of years older. So they had like three-year-olds when I had a newborn. And whenever I would complain to them about like that this was the hardest thing in the world, they were like, it gets better. It gets better. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so not helpful. And <laughs> I kind of hate you for saying that. And then they also would say like, oh, but it goes so fast. Like enjoy every moment. And I was like, no, I'm actually not enjoying any of the moments right now. And so to have someone, and I ended up in a parent group by the time Vinny was like two to three months old, that was like the saving grace because I was with people who were in exactly the the same place in life. And that's what I needed. I needed someone to be like, oh yeah, I was up all night last night, you know, with a nipple infection or with a screaming baby or whatever. And that's what I needed. I didn't need someone to tell me it was going to get better, even though those people had really good intentions. So I totally agree with like being with people who are in the same place with the same struggles and really currently actively in it makes such a big difference. It made a huge difference. Yeah. You got to get in the trenches with each other. And so- And I wanted to just say, go back to what you were saying about how your parents had a peaceful divorce. 
but at the same time, it was sort of ignored. So I made a real concerted effort. We told our kids together that we were getting divorced. We planned how we wanted to say it. Mainly it was for, you know, our oldest who was six at the time. And then throughout the time, they weren't in therapy, my kids, but like I had really good books I would read either for myself and with them, some kids books, or there was a couple of books that I would read about, you know, how to talk to kids. And that would kind of give me some language. So I just left the door open mm -hmm. for them to discuss their feelings. And the biggest thing is I found really helpful is just letting them talk about it. So if they yeah. come in with a complaint about you or the other parent, you just listen. And even if the complaints about what the other parents said about you, you just listen to what they're saying and ask them about their feelings. You not get into the right or wrong or who said, she, it doesn't matter, right. but just really being there. And that can be easier said than done at different <laughs> times. Uh, but I've found that that's been really helpful for my kids to process it. Cause as they get older, each one of them processes it differently and understands it differently and has different questions about it. And, you know, so it doesn't necessarily go away the conversation, but I want them to feel like they can talk about it and ask me about anything, including, you know, my ex-husband's now remarried. So, you know, they love his wife, their stepmom. And, you know, I made a concerted effort to, you know, go great. You know, like the more people that love you and can see how amazing you are, the better. That's amazing. And that was, you know, that was hard. That was hard oh, sure. for them and me. But if you kind of stay where the eye on the bigger picture, which mm -hmm. is that, you know, they need to be able to thrive and grow and be loved and supported by everybody, right. you know, and all that adult stuff needs to stay way over here, away from them, you right. know? I'm sure there's times when you're saying it through like gritting teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sometimes. You're so I, lucky I, to have three parents. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, oh you gosh. know, it is what it is. You know, and I'm lucky. She is a great stepmom. She yeah. loves the kids and spends time with them and all of that. So I think it be, might be more complicated, you know, if she didn't treat them well or something right, like that. Right. But I don't have any of that stuff with the yeah. picture. So, That's yeah. That's lucky. So are your kids now, are they, I did some quick math. Are they 11, nine and six? Yeah, they're all about to be. We have the birthday okay. season coming September, okay. October, but yes, we've got a, I have a sixth grader, a fourth grader and Sophia's going into kindergarten. Oh my gosh. So yeah. exciting. Yeah. And what's your parenting or custody? Do you have 50, 50 or is it split differently? No, I have a lot of custody time. So my ex lives in Southern California. Okay. So during the divorce, he took a job, but he basically stayed down there. Okay. And so I don't know what my percentage is, but it's well beyond. So he sees them about once a month and then okay. he gets extra time during the summer. So, okay. I, so I have this odd, a lot of time with the kids. And then the summertime, I have these big breaks. So okay. it's, but yeah. Okay. So when you're solo parenting, you're like, you're solo parenting for long periods of time. I'm pretty much doing it on my own yeah. with the school thing, particularly, right? right? I mean, right. he's not down the street. Yeah. Yeah. What have been some of the biggest challenges and also some of the biggest, maybe unexpected gifts of being a single parent? I think one of the biggest challenges is finding the time to do everything, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's to be, I mean, all, we all feel this way as parents feeling pushed between working and family and time for ourselves. But I've really had to be super mindful of that and more shameless. I mean, I wasn't real good at it at first on taking time for myself because that's just as important as making time for your kids and, you know, making time to thrive in, in your career or whatnot. What was the other question, though? Some of the biggest gifts. The so gifts? Oh, I would just say 
I'm probably much more confident about myself than I ever was. I think I was always a good helper and a giver, and I have really gotten much better at doing more of that for myself. Like that's been, you have to, like, it's me. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you realize like, I have to keep my act together. Like I have to take care of myself. I can't overstress or, you know, get sick a lot and stuff. So, you know, you can't predict all these things, but my self-care has become just as important as everything else. And like the other gift too, is I think just knowing that, you know, I can be a single parent, it's going to be okay. Like it doesn't mean my kids are going to you know, be damaged for the rest of their life or have a hard life. I mean, this is going to affect them just like other things in life will affect them. But I think because I feel like, you know, me and my ex now are, we're handling this as best as we can. They're going to be fine. It was hard for them at first, but they're really beginning to grow and thrive and accept and all of this stuff. And we're a few years out. That's been very healing, you know, because yeah. the worry is when there's this death of the family and you become single parents, especially in those early days when there's a lot of upset is my kid going to get through this? Are they going to be traumatized for life? And where they find that kids hold the most is through conflict, chronic conflict, right? So, and I knew that as a therapist, but I didn't believe that as a mom. And now coming out of this and kind of really getting, feeling really grounded in who I am, I realized, yeah, you can thrive and have a great life as a single parent. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that my sister has 50% time with her son and I've watched sometimes jealously when she's like, <laughs> he's with his dad for four days. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it sounds amazing. So yeah. it's interesting. But there's also definitely challenges that she has that I don't have. So, but it's been interesting over the years to kind of watch how she's navigated it and managed it. And there's like, I'm like, oh, there's definitely some perks to this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, That's right. But I love what you said about confidence. And I think that, you know, if you dig deep and look into these things that you really can see your own strength and your own resilience and your own power in a situation like this. And sometimes I think, you know, when you're navigating it all, I'm sure you don't like push pause to be like, oh, look how strong I am. But I think it's also so important when you go through really, you know, traumatic, like you said, grieving the death of a family, when you go through those kinds of things, it's so important to push pause every now and then to look at how far you've come, to look at how you've been able to do things you never thought you could do. When we're put in these situations where you just have to figure it out, you do figure it out. And when you're through the situation, you often look back and you're like, wow, I don't even know how I did that because it was something I never thought I could do. But the power in that is pretty amazing. Yes. Totally. I mean, and then doing the podcast, I would have never thought a year ago I would be doing a podcast and now I am. And the reach that I have to inspire other single parents, I mean, it just, oh, it's such a passion of mine. I might get emails, you know, of people, how much they appreciate it and suggestions on what they'd like to hear more about. And so, and then, you know, on my podcast, like you, I share my own stories of struggles as a single mom and my own, you know, accomplishments to remind, you know, we're all out there doing the best we can. Right. That's all we can sort of offer. But yeah, it is pretty cool that I went from staying at home mom. Now I have a practice and a podcast. And here's another thing I learned too, because I was a single parent, I had to, in second career, kind of in a way, creating a private practice again in the podcast Everything I did I had to really mean something and be worth my time because totally. it was all on me. And man, that streamline, okay, who and what and why do you want to do what you're going to do? Whatever's taking you away from the kids has to really be worth it. Right. And that was, again, that came from a much more 
empowering place. Whereas before, you know, I think I was sort of looser about it and wasn't always sure. And so it really required me to dig deep and be confident and put myself out there so that I could build the kind of life I wanted as a single mom. I love that. I want to back up just a little bit. So you mentioned the death of the family and grieving the death of the family. And we kind of blew past that. But I want to go back because I think that's a really key phrase and an important thing to address because I think that like that never happened in my family. We never acknowledged the death of the family. So can you talk a little bit more about that and expand on like what that means and how maybe from a clinical perspective, you recommend families work through that process? Yeah. So I call it the death of a family because, you know, people talk about divorce and they say it's really hard. And, but if you think about it, that's what it is. You were all totally. an intact family at some point and then either overnight or slowly, you know, depending on the circumstances, it was no more. And now you have two families, right? And so sometimes two families with new partners and all the dynamics change. And I think the first thing is to really appreciate when that is first occurring. And this goes to whether you're the one leaving or you're the one being left, that it's going to be hard for everybody and that there's going to be a time of literally grieving. So I like saying death of the family because it reminds us, oh yeah, you know, there's things to be grieved. Right. And when you're in mourning and grieving, you're going to feel a lot of different feelings. And even within one day, Mm-hmm. you're going to have more difficulty concentrating. You're going to feel angry. You're going to feel sad. You're going to feel scared. You're going to feel worried. You're going to be in denial sometimes. I mean, so all of those feelings are normal and they come and go. But I think sometimes when we think about divorce, we know it's really hard. And then sometimes people want to kind of just blow past it and right. move on, get new partners, you know, or say, you know, we're going to be okay. It's no big deal, whatever they're doing to sort of, but I think it's actually important to sit in that early time with the mixed feelings that you have. That's not comfortable, but it's important to process it because if we jump into new relationships too early or if we really put aside our grieving and remain either maybe like bitter or angry or resentful, which is sort of could be a sign of being kind of stuck, mm-hmm. it doesn't help you, it doesn't help your kids, and it can really lead to more long-term emotional pain for everybody. So that's the first step is sort of acknowledging that there is this grieving process and how are you going to move through it? Like I told you how I did a support group and individual therapy. It could be, you know, taking time for yourself, journaling, having good cries. I talk a lot of my podcast, especially that first year, six months when you get that time away from the kids. And that could be really hard, no matter how old your kids are, you know, for the first time you have a whole weekend, right, right. to yourself, which to do what, but I think it's important to take some time to get in touch with your feelings about it, you know, and what that is. Not maybe just the hopeless or the angry feelings, but also the sad feelings right. and the worried feelings. That could be talking to a friend, again, journaling, support groups, but just making time to process that so that as you're making bigger life decisions with your finances, buy or sell the home, dating, you want to come from a solid foundation, parenting. And it's not going to be solid at first because your whole identity has shifted from having a partner to being on your own and maybe incorporating also a career if you were like a stay-at-home parent. So there are so many different things going on. And then your parenting is different because you maybe don't have that partner now to piggyback on or to relieve you if you were feeling overwhelmed or needed a break. It's, you've really got to take a lot on. So there's that self-care piece that's really important at first. And then with the kids, there's that modeling. So taking that time to take care of yourself and make room for the grieving 
will allow you to be more available when your kids come back, you know, after they've visited the ex-partner and so that you can face hearing about he has a new partner or hearing about potential complaints about you or hearing about the different rules and the different families, you know, all those kind of complicated things that are going to start coming up so that you can meet your kids at your best. And at the same time, in the very, very early days, the first few weeks and months, the expectations need to be lowered on what you can and can't do, right? Because anytime we go through some big, huge life change, it's going to take a little time to regroup. So being really compassionate and okay that you Maybe you went to the gym for three or four times a week and now you're having a hard time getting out of bed, right? right. So there's going to be some time to regroup for everybody. Right. This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better it was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly so you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues including cuts scrapes burns sunburns rashes other types of skin damage it's totally safe non-toxic suitable on all types of skin even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin this is also safe for the young members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients, active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family. So to get your own active skin repair, go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20% off your order when you use the code shameless. That's activeskinrepair.com. Use the code shameless for 20% off your order. Activeskinrepair.com, code shameless. This episode is supported by Air Doctor. You probably don't know that Americans take in about 20,000 breaths per day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors. The indoor air that we breathe can be up to 100 times more polluted than outdoor air, according to the EPA. Indoor air pollutants can cause upper respiratory symptoms like sneezing, coughing, congestion, scratchy throat, and even more serious health problems like lung and heart disease. So what's the solution? Introducing Air Doctor, the air purifier that filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants so your lungs don't have to. This includes allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I am so excited that we just got our own Air Doctor for our house, and we will have it all up and running and ready to go in time for all the things that come with spring weather, but also smoke season, which is just around the corner for those of us in the Pacific Northwest. And I know many of you across the country. So here's how you can get your own Air Doctor. First of all, Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. 
Head to airdoctorpro.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS and you'll receive up to $300 off of air purifiers. Exclusive to our podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock in this special offer by going to airdoctorpro, A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use the promo code SHAMELESS. That's airdoctorpro.com, code SHAMELESS. I want to talk a little bit about things that can happen when you have younger children. So I would imagine, and you kind of addressed this already with your oldest child who was six, I'm sure there was a lot of questions just immediately because your oldest is a boy. Yes. Yeah. So he had questions I would imagine right away because he had an understanding that like day-to-day things were changing with your younger ones. And this would have been the situation my sister and I were in. Like I was four and my sister was not even one. So I think my mom just kind of like kept us in our routine and it was, and we just kind of kept everything as normal as possible. So neither of us have a memory of my dad ever living with us. And it was this very like kind of seamless process when they got divorced, or at least from my perspective and my sister's perspective. So in those situations, you know, by the time my sister and I had an understanding that we came from a divorced family, my mom, I think was probably done grieving the divorce because it would have been years Mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. And I think at that point she was like, well, we've survived this. And I feel like there was some times where maybe there should have been some conversation and not that I was desiring this at all because I probably would have completely shut my mom down if she had attempted this. But I feel like (laughs) there was times where it would have been maybe appropriate to address like, this is part of your story. This is where we come from. This is like kind of how our family, like how we got where we are. And so what do you recommend for people who get divorced with really little kids and how do you cope over the years and the lifespan in that situation? Because it's not something you're talking through as you go through it. Oh, that's a great question, Sarah. And, and, you know, my, so Stephen was six at the time, but Tyler was four and Sophia was one. So Stephen did have questions and a lot of kids initially, the biggest concern they have is how is this going to affect me? It's very normal. Like who's going to take me to school? When am I going to be with you? When am I going to be with dad? So it's good to cover those basics at the beginning with your partner so that you can address those. And if you don't know the answer, it's okay. Let them know you'll get back to them and work those out with your partner, not with the kid, right? To keep them out of the middle of that. But for the younger ones like Sophia and Tyler, over the years as they've gotten older, they have all addressed. I mean, she's six now, about to be six next month. And so she's dealing with, I mean, for instance, a year ago, she made a comment, you know, oh, well, you know, daddy and Sheila, his wife, they've been together forever, you know, and her brothers just looked at her like, well, no, no, mommy and daddy were together at some point. And she was shocked, right? Because she doesn't have a memory of this. <laughs> right, right. Right. And so it was a perfect opportunity to say, yeah, you know, I, mommy and daddy were together for a long time. And then when you were a baby, we decided to live in separate houses. And then he met your stepmommy, Sheila. And so in that, she had to kind of wrap her brain around that. And I think too, both her and my younger one, well, all of them really, how do they incorporate their feelings about their stepmom, you know, and is that okay to have feelings about their stepmom, love her and and like her in front of me, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And so I say that I don't think the conversation ever ends, but I think as kids get older, they do have different ways that they're understanding the divorce or questions about it or even feelings about it. 
you know, they're kind of catching up like, oh, so I imagine for Sophia, she gets a little older. She might have feelings about the fact that her dad isn't around as much and she would like that. You know, now that she's going to get into school and there are going to be more things for her parents to show up for, that might be something that maybe wasn't really a concern of hers before, you know, when she was a little kid. So we'll probably want to address that. The biggest thing is really just querying your kids about it, just checking in with them from time to time and also watching them, seeing what they're saying, seeing if they have questions, even if they seem benign and being open to talking about it so that as they move through different things, they know it's not going to upset you to ask questions about the other parent or about the divorce or anything like that. But the basic rules of that are keep the adult stuff for the adults. So if, for instance, there was infidelity or, you know, something that, that would be hard for kids to, and they were too young to understand all those big adult issues, mm-hmm. that's not really something you need to introduce to them later, even if they might ask. It's better to be compassionate and neutral if you can. I mean, if they outright ask you, I'm not saying to lie to your kids, but I'm also saying don't feel like you need to introduce that to them. Right. Right. That makes sense. So that they're kind of, I guess the premise is they're coming at it from their own. You're there more as a listener and, you know, with compassion and openness on whatever they're feeling and concerned if they are, you know, sort of having angry feelings about the divorce, even if now it happened five years ago, like that's okay. You know, of course you do. That was a hard time. And I'm sorry that we're not together anymore. It is really hard that this happened. And yet, you know, now we have a new experience and you have even bigger family and more people to love you and appreciate you. That makes so much sense. I love all that. It's so interesting. And I'm sure from your perspective, having kids at three really different developmental phases when you went through this had to just be like, you're dealing with three really different scenarios. Because if you had, I mean, if you just had like your four and your six-year-old, those two maybe would have been similar. But when you then have a one-year-old, it's going to be different through their development. And also one is a girl. So you, I love that you have, I just imagine that this helps you serve your clients so much better because <laughs> you have so much personal experience in like all these different dynamics. Yes. I mean, it was overwhelming. It's overwhelming if you have just one kid, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So interesting. So what is your biggest advice to single moms about coping and rebuilding and kind of some of the things that you have gleaned through your evolution and this process? You know, I think really putting yourself first. I mean, what I've learned over and over and over again, we really can't be there for our kids unless we're taking good care of ourselves. This is why I love your podcast, The Shameless Mom, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not meant to put, you know, everybody else's needs aside completely, but, you know, If you're tired and you've had a particularly difficult day at work, it's okay to, you know, feed the kids cereal and, you know, put on a show and take a breather and go lay down for a little bit. Like, you know, I think just being mindful of that. And if you're having a hard time being patient with your kids, it's okay. You know, that's how you're feeling right now. And maybe slowing it down and even saying, you know, I'm having, let's just slow this down. I'm having some big feelings and let's talk about this a little bit, you know, that just giving ourselves permission to be in the moment that where we're at and permission to sort of go, I need some self-care too. I can't keep doing and giving all the time. Right. Right. That makes sense. And the older your kids are, the more you can kind of verbalize those things with a one-year-old. You probably, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can't really push pause on things or say mommy needs a nap, but I love the idea of like really prioritizing 
time for yourself and prioritizing your own needs. It reminds me of an interview that I did with JJ Virgin, written a book about her experience with her son being in a really critical accident and being in a coma for an extended period of time and requiring a lot of medical care. And they were in a hospital for months, I think. And I remember her talking about like going and doing workouts in the stairwell of the hospital because like initially she was kind of judging herself, like, should I leave his bedside? But she was like, Mm -hmm. if we're going to do this, if we're going to be here for months, like I have to figure out a way to cope and sustain this new lifestyle. And so that was her thing. She's like, I'm going to go run the stairs in the stairwell of the hospital for 20 minutes every day. And this hospital staff, she's like, I don't care if they think I'm crazy or a weirdo. (laughs) Like, this is what I'm going to do. And then I think she also, I can't remember what she did. She like, I don't know if she brought her blender to the hospital so she could like make herself smoothies or something. She's like, I'm not eating hospital food where I'm going to feel awful and like not have high energy. She's like, I want to fuel myself better than I've ever fueled myself in my life because again, I need to be my best so that I can sit next to my child who's in this critical situation and be really like positive and attentive and affirming in all the ways that I want to be. And so, and I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Yes. But I can imagine it takes a lot of conscious thought and a ton of conscious effort to be like, okay, I'm going to go run the stairs now in the hospital, which does not sound glamorous at all. (laughs) Well, and as moms, we're sort of told to be selfless, especially in these kind of times, right? Be there for your kids. And that, that's true, but you can't if your bucket is empty. Right. Right. And so, you know, yeah. So you've got, I love, that's such a poignant story because, you know, here, yeah, but I would, the movies and everything pushes, you know, be by his side constantly just in case he wakes up. Well, she could have done that, but she would have been so depleted as well most of the time, you know? So yeah. Yeah. This just kind of popped into my head. Do you have any thoughts on kind of stigma around moms working through divorce versus dads working through divorce. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm thinking kind of along the lines of what you just said, that the pressure to like, you know, put the kids first to make sure everything's okay with the kids. And I think because in many, and this is less and less common, but I think in many cases, the mom has more time with the kids than the dads. Although I think it's getting more and more common that it's a 50, 50 split. So then all the more it's like on the mom to, while you're going through this massive grieving, maybe the biggest grieving of your life, you also have to, there's a pressure to like, make sure that you're putting the kids interests first. Do you see any differences between culturally how we address that with moms versus dads? Well, I find, and I can just speak from, even from the podcast, I find women tend to gravitate more toward finding support for themselves more than dads. They want to talk about it. They want to seek other women out to sort of, you know, be like process, be understood, talk about their feelings and to make a super generalization. Men tend to, if they're going through divorce, you know, not want to talk about it. So they may drink more, they may date more or both, or, you know, kind of do things that are be more physically active, but without the balance of processing their feelings. Oh, that's interesting. And not shocking or surprising. Yeah. I mean, women can do this too. We can all do this, but I, but I definitely, I would agree that I think culturally it's more okay for women to open up about what they're going through in a difficult time and, and to seek support. And it's, there is, I think my personal opinion is there's a little more stigma for men to do that. And then then therefore there's also less available, you know, support groups, you know, like men's divorce support, they're out there, but they're, they're a lot less than women's support groups. So yeah. Interesting. So we are going to hop over in just a minute to our Shameless Mommy Minute. But before we do that, I want you to tell us, which you've already explained in many ways and given us some examples, but I have to always end with, in what ways are you a shameless mom? 
taking time for myself for sure. (laughs) Excellent. I love it. And tell us where we can find you. Yeah. So if you go to soloparentlife.com, you can find all that kinds of stuff about me. If you happen to live up in Marin near San Francisco, you can also go to drrobinrocket.com and check out my private practice. And I also, you can find me, I'm doing a single parent summit in September for single parents. You can sign up for that if you want. I'm interviewing leading experts around finances, dating, and parenting, and some really cool people. And you go to soloparentlife.com forward slash summit. Oh, nice. Okay. I'm noting all of this here. I know you're going to send me links too. So anyone who wants to connect with Robin in any of those places can go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 162. And we'll have show notes there with all the links that Robin just mentioned. So I love the idea that you have your private practice there that people can connect with you if they happen to be near you. And then they can connect with you online as well. So lots of opportunities to work with Robin if you are someone who might benefit from some of the things that she just shared. All right. So I want to, first of all, thank you so much for being here and acknowledge just the gift of your story because I know it's going to help other people. And also I'm such a fan of stories and how stories shape our lives and often our livelihood. And I'm so impressed with what you have done with your story to build a whole new life around it and a life that is probably puts you in a bigger position of power than you would have otherwise maybe pushed yourself to be in, or at least not at this point in your life. So I really appreciate you being here and and sharing so openly and and educating all of us on this because I know it's a topic that definitely touches a lot of our listeners. Oh, thank you, Sarah. That was really awesome. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate you being here. And like I said, I mean, here's another example of like me learning while we're talking about like, it's just been so fascinating to hear what you're talking about and listening and comparing it to my own experience with divorce. So it's always a learning experience for everyone. Mm -hmm. That's right. (laughs) That's what life is. (laughs) Totally. Okay. So let's hop over to our shameless mommy minute, a little lightning round. Tell us what is your favorite way to treat yourself? Spending time with my girlfriends. Yes. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. What is the current book that you're reading or the last one you read? Oh, so I'm always reading like several at a time. Me too. <laughs> oh, I can't. Yeah. I mean, I don't read all three in one day, but I hop around. I do too. So, oh my gosh. Um, but right now I'm reading Hold On to Your Kids by Gordon Newfield and Gaber Matt. You know, they are just oh. fantastic around like connecting with them. They talk about some really tough spots that you can get yourself into in parenting, how to kind of pull out of it. And I love her, Tara Brock, True Refuge. So I read her book, Radical Acceptance, when she came out a few years ago, and now I'm reading her True Refuge. And that's just uh, such a great reminder of take time for yourself, get in touch with yourself. And she gives some great tools in True Refuge um, on how to manage if you're having a tough moment to be take a little mindful moment. So that's cool. Oh, cool. Very cool. Those books both sound like really great resources for our our listeners. So I will link to both of those books in the show notes as well over at shamelessmom.com at episode 162. What is one morning ritual you can't live without? I get up before my kids, make a cup of tea, and if the weather's nice, go sit outside and listen to the birds chirp. I just have a quiet moment. It's so nice. I love that. That's the tone for the day. Yeah. Totally. Who is your biggest inspiration? Right now, I have a lot, but I think right (laughs) now, because I read about her, is Tara Brock. I mean, she's got an illness that was really debilitating and she's found a way to embrace it and still live a very fulfilling and grateful life. I mean, it's, you can't get more inspired. Right. Right. So cool. If you could give all moms one superpower, what would it be and why? To be kinder to ourselves. 
especially in those moments we want to really beat ourselves up. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Totally. I love it. Well, Robin, thank you so much for being here. This has been so fantastic and I just really appreciate you and the work that you're doing. Uh, thank you, Sarah. It's been a pleasure to be here too. Okay. We will talk soon. All right. Thank you for tuning in and spending time with Robin and me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. If you are someone that you know has been impacted by divorce and you think this episode might be helpful to them, please do go ahead and spread the word, share this episode. You can go to shamelessmom.com and click on episode 162 to get a link to the episode that you can share out via email, social media, however you want to do your sharing. But I just would love for you to be able to spread the word a little bit for other families who might be impacted by divorce if you think this conversation would be helpful and meaningful and supportive to them. So definitely spread the word. And I hope that you also subscribe to the show. So if this is your first time listening, know that we do release new episodes every Monday and Wednesday, and you can subscribe to the show and never miss an episode of the Shameless Mom Academy if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will take you into Apple Podcasts where there's a little subscribe button. You click on that button and then you automatically get all of our episodes immediately put into your podcast app of choice. And that way you never miss an episode. You get everything as soon as it's released. So that is very helpful. While you're there, you can also leave a little review. There's a place to click write a review. You can just leave a sentence or two and let me know what you love about the Shameless Mom Academy, how it's impacted you in any way. I always love to hear your stories and I look forward to hearing from every single person. So thank you for spending time with us today. I hope you learned something. I hope you took away a few new ahas and maybe a little piece of something that will give you a little bit of power to move through your day. I look forward to connecting with you again in a couple days for our next episode. And until then, no matter what you do, make sure you do it shamelessly. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.